0: Bible church welcome back to the midweek podcast it is a blessing as always to be with you here uh today of course brent bullard's here and uh we are uh, we have a, a special uh joy of being able to to share this time with one of our missionaries that we partner with and uh pray for and support uh jim hale so jim thank you for being here with us today
1: thanks for having me
0: of course uh, it is uh, like we've described in the past. It is uh, kind of our tradition to spend time with uh, some of our church members and to to share with them, uh, to share with our, the body, their story and how they've come to know Christ and how they've uh, come to be uh, connected with Grace Bible Church. And so, I'd love to kind of do the same thing. And uh, and and even though we're gonna have a, a few other things we would want to talk about with you, uh, we'd love to just kind of start with the basics. How did you come to know Christ, Jim? And uh, how did you get connected with, with Grace Bible?
1: Uh, well, I was raised in a Christian home uh, in Southern California. And I went to a church that was, uh, uh, I guess you might you might say a little legalistic. I, I learned to be a good boy. And when I became a teenager, I learned the attraction of not being a good boy Yeah, and uh realized that all those things that I was taught wasn't leading me to the fun that the world was attracting me with. And we're talking about in the late 60s and early 70s. So through high school, just kind of the regular high school kid doing the regular high school things and went off to college and went to a Christian school, to a Christian college in Abilene, Texas. And there I met some real Christians. Not most of the population there, but there were a few people who obviously were different from everyone else. And uh, they were a big influence on me, and a couple of professors were big influences on me. And then I met my wife, Terry, and she was a big influence on me. But I think in particular, there was a Bible professor who explained the gospel, not in an invitation way, but without knowing it, Uh, the truth of scripture and my need for Christ uh, hit me. Mm. And it was, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm. And uh, as he unpacked that verse, I realized this Christ living in me was something that that's probably what these other people that I've identified as real believers have. And so that's what caused me to embrace Christ myself. And have been following him since.
2: We praise God for that. And and so a, a California boy comes to the beautiful East Texas Piney woods. How in the world did you get to Nacogdoches (laughs) and the people of Grace Bible?
1: Uh, well, it turns out Terry was, raised in Nacogdoches, so she was going yes. to college in West Texas, and so was I, so we got married, and I first came to uh, Nacogdoches the fall of 1974, and uh, we got married that next summer. Uh, we, I went to graduate school at East Texas State University, what, which is now A&M Commerce, and uh, have a Master of Fine Arts in ceramics, and my goal was to become a studio potter, And so I did so. I was a potter for about 20 years. And during that time, uh, we began to be volunteer youth leaders at our church. And the youth pastor had come to know the Lord through Young Life. And I had no idea what Young Life was, but this guy was a lot of fun and taught us how to do relational ministry. And at one point in the early 90s, I realized this is what God wants me to do. Uh, Do this only, not just do it with my spare time. And so I began to look into coming on Young Life staff and in 1994 did so and started Young Life in that town of Greenville, Texas, where we were living. We were attending a non-denominational church uh, there, a little community church that was just really great, wonderful people there. And so they uh, raised me up in ministry and I started doing Young Life there. Uh, Young Life asked me after about three years to supervise what was going on across East Texas. And my supervisor said to me, uh, tell me about East Texas. I don't know anything about it. Where is the biggest university? Because that's how Young Life finds the next group of staff people is raising up a lot of volunteers who are in their college years to reach high school kids. Some of them are going to really come to the top of the group and we want to recruit them to be staff. And I said, well, as a matter of fact. Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches is right in the middle of East Texas, and it's the biggest university in East Texas. And he said, well, do you know anybody there? So, well, that's where my wife is from. Uh, yes, I've known people there for, at that point, 15 or 20 years. And so uh, uh, it became the plan to move to Nacogdoches, and in the summer of 2002, we made the, the move from Greenville to Nacogdoches and began attending Grace Bible Church. And... I think the first person that I met was Rick Hurst because he is a fraternity brother of the man who was originally my regional director with Young Life. So, uh, Rick and Richard Black uh, were dear friends and our lifelong friends. And so we got introduced, and that was a big help to establishing Young Life in Nacogdoches in 2002.
2: Very good. And I know, I know, Young Life is you, you've kind of been all over the place, and now you're in uh, Scandinavia. I know we, as a as a church, we we support you, and we have so many different members that support you all as well, and, uh, and you know, financially, and of course in prayer. Uh, but how uh, how has this? How long? Tell us how long you've been in the Scandinavian area, and what does ministry uh, what has it looked like, and what kind of does it look like for you as you're all trying to sow seeds of the gospel? Uh, so mm-hmm. if you can help us understand the the ministry context, that'd be so helpful. Yeah. Uh,
1: From Nacogdoches, we moved to be in the Europe division in 2008. So we did Young Life in Nacogdoches for six years. And uh, when I first went over there, there were 37 staff in Europe. That's outside of the UK, but everything else, continental Europe. And 30 of them were Americans that had raised support, learned a language, moved over, and that was kind of a pattern. But we had come to the realization that we're going to have lasting ministry. We are going to have established ministry when we have local people that we have contacted and trained and taught how to do this relational ministry who are from these countries. And so that became our goal. And uh, five or six years later, we looked around at our staff conference, and we had grown from 37 people to 158. Wow. And instead of it being two thir- or three-fourths Americans, it's now three-fourths Europeans. Hmm. So that's one of the big goals is find the remnant that the Lord has left behind in these countries and... Find out if there's a passion for the lost in their country and then teach them how to reach those people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Europe is about, if you're generous, it's 5% Christian. So uh, we need God to lead us very clearly and to be able to find those folks. And, uh, and we've been able to do that. And so some of the training that we've done with people who are in Germany, we, Terry and I train Germans in Germany and Bulgarians in Bulgaria and Czechs and Poles and uh, people in the UK that are from those countries. There are still a few Americans who come over, but we're not asking people to come over for a two or three year, see Europe and do Young Life. It's rather, you know, is this a lifelong move if God calls you to this? And uh, the answer needs to be yes. So uh, after training staff and helping to establish new areas for the first uh, six years or so, uh, Terry and I were asked to train a group that were from Norway and Sweden, and they were without a supervisor, and the experience went really well. And so in the spring of 2018, we were asked to be the regional directors of the Nordic region. And so the job of the regional director is to uh, ensure that those who are on staff are well trained and that each area gets established with people around the staff who are praying, people around the staff who are supporting and volunteer leaders and, uh, and that each area kind of looks to what's the next town? Where can we start another Young Life ministry? And so it's to grow and expand And in our case, how can we expand to the other countries in the Nordic region? Uh, The Nordic region is made up of Norway, Sweden, and then we have begun ministry in Denmark. But it also includes Finland and Iceland. And it turns out we have people in the three countries where we are doing ministry who know people in the two where we aren't. And so one of the next Mm -hmm. things that we will do is go there and meet them and just see what happens. We're going to uh, ask people if... uh, if there are lost kids in their country? And of course the answer is yes. And then we ask them if, uh, if they would like to be part of something that might help turn their country around because they might be the last generation of Christ followers if we don't do something about this. So uh, we can show them what the Lord has done through Young Life and see if they're interested in doing it. Mm-hmm.
2: One of the things I, I, I remember talking to you uh, last time we were able to sit down together was, uh, you know, you, you would have a passion. If there was a Grace Bible uh, there, uh, you would love to have a local church to be able to weave students into to, and parents and all those things. But a lot of your ministry is frontier ministry where there aren't exactly very many biblically focused, gospel-centered local churches. Is that correct? You know that uh, that is right. There, uh, the number of
1: really, really good churches uh, isn't as nearly as high as it is in the U.S. Uh, in Nacogdoches County, I think at one point there were a hundred churches, and uh, so that you don't have that sort of choice there. I think that's something that I have learned about the Nordic region: is it has been. Uh, protected from worldliness um, and secularism unlike in Germany that we experienced there and in the UK where it is a little more difficult to find a good church. If there is a church meeting in Scandinavia uh, because of their isolation geographically is probably one reason and their culture is so unique and isolated because of that. Uh, the people who there love the Lord, they are serious about it. They are all in. And there are some good churches in in Norway and Sweden. Not many. Not with many people who go there, but they're there. And uh, that's one of the things that is very different about the job that Terry and I do in supervising these folks is uh, their character and their upbringing. And... And their opinion of what scripture is, the way that they hold scripture in high regard, that's already there. That has not always been true in every place I've been. Uh, There are people who, they want to do this, they want to follow the Lord, but they haven't been grounded to think of the scriptures as God-breathed and to think of the, the way that Christians ought to live their life as something that the Lord has set in his scripture and we can follow scripture in everything we do, as opposed to, Oh, this is the modern world. And this is the way things are. You need to get with the times. I don't, I'm not getting that in the Nordic region like we have in other parts of Europe. So that's a a real breath of fresh air. Uh, in the last two years, uh, since we've been actively about two and a half, almost three now, uh, supervising this region, you know, we have, these people are of amazingly high character and from wonderful families. Uh, four of our staff are the children of missionaries, uh, with Norwegian Lutheran mission, having grown up in Kenya and Tanzania, and, uh, they have masters in theology and their theology is really good. Uh, they are scholars of the word and, uh, I think every single one of our staff in Norway have been to a two-year Bible school experience that is something that they do in Norway between high school and going to university, kind of a gap year experience. Some of them choose to do a Bible school and it is, uh, it is not seminary level, but close to seminary level Bible study. Uh, It's the kind of thing you would get at a, Christian college if you were a Bible major. It's that sort of thing. Hmm. So uh, the more that I get to know them, uh, the more I realize what an awesome group they are. Uh, And I think that one of the things that's also interesting is that the fruit of the ministry has brought us two of the other staff were raised in non-Christian homes and uh, came to know the Lord through Young Life five and six years ago and have Uh, been junior leaders as seniors in high school, leaders in university, and now on staff. And uh, so they've been doing good ministry there for a long time and uh, for these in particular that are the missionary kids, they tell the story that they're raised in Kenya, they came back to Norway to get their seminary degree and go to the mission field, and when they got here, they realized, Norway is not a Christian nation anymore, and I need to stay. Mm. Mm.
2: You know, here, so many of our COVID in in this season, uh, so many of our people have already been vaccinated, uh, at least had first dose, and uh, others have had the virus, and uh, fortunately, uh, uh, many have recovered well. Uh, So we see restrictions, of course, God bless Texas, we love being in Texas. Uh, We see those restrictions uh, very much more open-handed. And uh, so we at Grace, we've had more and more people coming back uh, in the room gatherings, and it's been a sweet time here these last few weeks. But uh, can you give us an understanding of what ministry has been and is right now for you as you try to minister from afar, even here via Zoom and other things like that? Can you give us a picture of this?
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, I guess the first thing to note is that— Norway, Sweden, and Denmark are a seven-hour difference from Texas. So uh, we work out a deal where we make ourselves available to one another as much during not working hours, but I'll say hours when we're awake. Uh, my day will start uh, w- yeah, with a Zoom call at maybe uh, 6 o'clock most mornings. And uh, for them they will stick with me until maybe eight o'clock at night. And that allows us to overlap our days. And so by the time that I get to noon, I've had six hours of meetings with people and uh, take a little break and then prepare for the next day and take care of things with people here in the U.S. Uh, Weekly, what we're doing is uh, Terry trains first-year staff in a training course that's just called Leadership One. And it's basically a seminary level class on relational ministry. And uh, so she meets with a group of three Norwegians and one from Denmark, Uh, meets with them once a week and then meets individually with each of them every other week to just discuss things on their own. Uh, and then there's mentoring that takes place with each one. We do a weekly check in with each area we have area directors and then other staff who work in the same area in norway we 're doing young life in in basically you might say four locations, but each of those four has multiple places uh The city of Oslo as a an example, has five different places in the city where we're doing young life and in stavanger there's two different places and so we will weekly check in with team leaders and weekly check in with each individual uh, staff person. And, you know, it's everything from uh, tell me what the event is that you're doing this week and how are your leaders doing? Who have you recruited all the way to, you know, how are things with your soul and what scripture have you read and how can I pray for you and how's your wife and children doing? Uh, tell me what, is going on in life after you clock out of your young life work. And uh, so we are kept uh, quite busy doing that. We normally do those kinds of things when we're there. And when we're there in person, uh, I like to cook a meal for uh, the team or for one of the families that's on staff and sit around and just have our evening meal together and just talk about life and find out uh, how things are with, Them of the Lord. And uh, that, I would say, is the most difficult part to do like we're doing that. Uh, I can look at that little green dot and, you know, hold my head just so, but I am not in the room with those people. And so uh, I would say one thing you can be praying for is that people would be that they would feel cared for. And that there would be other people who would come along and give that care in our absence uh, that we hope to get there. Well, we will get there as soon as we're able and uh, the countries allow us to travel there. But uh, until then, this is this is how we do it. What their schedule is like is they are meeting with they continue to meet with kids and with their leaders, training their leaders. Uh, I'd say the one thing that has happened less than most years is meeting new kids that young life leaders go where kids hang out and just spend time with them and get to know them and walk up and kick a football with them and sit down and drink a cup of coffee with them. And when you're unable to move around in the world, it's kind of hard to meet new people. Uh, As we all know, it's been difficult to keep up with the people we do know. Uh, Imagine if much of your job was to uh, go meet somebody new every week. It's kind of our normal thing to do is we take one day a week of contact work and we go meet new kids every week and that just has not been able to happen. Uh, As the restrictions lift, they can do indoors, five people can be in the same place. They need the distance and outdoors, it's up to 20. So I've got some great pictures of uh, kids and leaders around a campfire in the snow because they just want to be together. And it, it has hmm. been the highlight of some of these kids' weeks when they have finally lifted the restrictions enough that we can have an in-person meeting. Uh, so our, our leaders, our staff are creative and uh, they are passionate about it. They're, they're not letting it discourage them. No, they don't like it. They wish it was different and they can't wait for the day when it is. But this is where we are and they're willing to go through the steps to keep going.
0: Jim our church has been able to to send teams in the past to go and serve alongside you guys and be able to to help minister alongside you obviously we're waiting for the day when we can go and send another team at some point um, jim when we're when we're able to do that uh, what kind of work would you would you say that our team would be able to to do at some point when we're when we're able to go over again
1: yeah there would be a couple of possibilities uh it, it would be wonderful if if things changed radically, if everybody got vaccinated. And in June, these countries said, we're back to normal. Come on over. Uh, and if that was the case, I probably would scramble and call everybody I know and say, come to Norway week one of August. <laughs> and uh, that would be to help with a camp that uh, is in connection with confirmation classes at uh, one of the Lutheran churches that's in Oslo, where Young Life leaders volunteer to help teach those classes. And then uh, they have asked us to just make the, the year-end camp, the end of the confirmation class, it's about an eight-month class, just to make it a Young Life camp. Because we came and helped one year and they said, hey, you know, camp was uh, good, I guess, but the part you did was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else have you got and each year for the last five years we have uh been trusted with one more little piece of the camp and uh, our area director there is david defoske he came back from a meeting just last week and said uh i met with the uh the priest at Ustensha and he said yes if you can make it a young life camp again we would love that <laughs> and what happens is uh Confirmation classes, it's a lot of really good information. I mean, it's basically the tenets of the faith. It's the Apostles' Creed taught in detail. So boring that the kids just don't get it. And the person teaching it doesn't necessarily even believe it. But it's what you do to be a good Lutheran. And uh, they get money from their grandparents when they complete confirmation. So 75% of the population in Norway and Sweden and Denmark, and it's probably even higher than that in Norway, so I think it's 85% of those kids go through confirmation. And so uh, young life leaders can go in there and build relationships with those kids, helping out each week with the activities, and have conversations like, so today we talked about the substitutionary death. Do you know what that means? And they go, of course not. I, didn't even, I don't even remember the words. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, we talked about how Jesus died for sins and that God used to accept some sacrifices to move sins forward and off of people. But one day it was Jesus that came and was that sacrifice. That's what that meant. Jesus came and did that. And they get to explain in detail what the gospel is to these kids who otherwise would have just had it go in one ear and out the other. And mm-hmm. so the last few years at the camps, there have been kids who yes. have trusted Christ because of hearing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And the first year that that happened, the camp went home and the, the report came back to the priest. Uh, there were some kids who responded to the gospel this week, and he kind of had to stop and go, how did that happen? What What do you mean? Wow. And he said, well, we just each night as we did the club talks, we explained how we have a problem in our life of sin and that God made a plan to make a way for us to get back with him, even though we're separated because of the sin. And it was Jesus. And so we explained that to the kids and that if they would believe in Jesus and his sacrifice for their sins, that they could follow him and be his child and be in heaven forever. Mm-hmm. And kids say yes to that when they hear it from a friend. And uh, so this past year, after even during COVID, we did the confirmation classes and we did a camp that had to be changed around a little bit. The parents have to give the transportation to the kids to the camp, can't go on a bus. And uh, the activities had to be altered some and the parents had to pick the kids up. And that week at the church, there were seven kids who were baptized uh, at the church, uh, and gave their testimony to the entire congregation about how at this camp, they heard the gospel and had responded. So, uh, we're seeing a big impact, even in the middle of COVID, uh, in one area, just in the past in Norway, in the past three and a half weeks, there have been 53 kids who have trusted Christ just like, wow. so, God, still happening. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh that camp is going to take place the first week of August this year. And if it happens and they lift the restrictions early enough, I'd love to take a team that could help with behind the scenes work. Uh, The whole idea, the philosophy at a young life camp is we call it leader centered camping. We want the leaders who know those kids to be free to spend lots of time with those kids, having those important conversations and to not have to be cooking the food and doing all the setting up games. We want a team of people doing that. And so when people come with us to help at a camp, uh, we make camp happen so that those leaders can be with the kids that they brought to camp.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, Jim, thank you for, for sharing all of that. Um, praise God that he's still, he's still actively working and spreading the gospel throughout Amen. this world. And, Amen. uh, it's such an encouragement to hear. Um, Brent, this Sunday we're going to be beginning uh, our, our journey through a, a three-week three-week study three through weeks. Psalm Psalm twenty-three, and uh, so would you would you give us a little insight and a little bit of help for as we uh, prepare for worship this Sunday?
2: I'd love to. Yeah, this week will be in just the first three verses, and uh, you know we're going to be focused on the fact that our Shepherd loves us. And you know, this is one of the things that makes Psalm twenty-three so endeared to our hearts. Of course, is the singularity of, uh, Lord is my shepherd. Uh, but part of how I want to apply that to us is, is as a congregation, as we make that cry out together in a similar way as a congregation, when we sing and worship on Sunday mornings, we're all individually singing, but we're collectively in this way, giving a a corporate offering of of praise to the Lord. And so that's how I would kind of like to read Psalm 23 together as a church and study through that for three weeks. Of course, this series will actually set us up for the book of Exodus. We'll start Exodus uh, after this, later this month. Uh, and so both are going to be just a great delights. And Psalm 23, most people are, of course, uh, ha- even if they've not grown up in church, they have probably heard Psalm 23 read at a funeral at some point in their life. And so what a joy it's going to be to sit through this and walk through, spend a little bit more time in this text, uh, and really just, uh, just bask in the beauty of one of the, perhaps the, among the most beautiful uh, hymns and, and verses uh, ever heard in human history. Even by unbelievers that listen to this, it's, it captivates their minds and souls. So that's our prayer as we finish off uh, the spring semester, uh, is to be able to just sit looking at the goodness of our shepherd.
0: Amen. Well, Jim, thanks again uh, for being here with us and and for sharing with us. Um, we are praying for you and Terry, and um, we are just so grateful uh, for you guys and, and for the ministry that you're doing. And hopefully soon the, the 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 feet on the ground that we'll get to be and helping and serving with you again soon but of course uh we're 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 on our knees and going to the lord uh, together with you as we um as we we trust in the lord to do what only he can do in saving uh, sinners and so um anyway we are, we are praying for you and thanks again for for being here with us today
1: yeah thank you for having me this has been a, an honor to get to speak with you and to hopefully share some of this with some of the folks out there. We uh, we would not be where we are today doing what we're doing without uh, Grace Bible Church sending us. And so every time we go someplace, uh, just to teach Europeans how to say the word Nacogdoches is kind of fun. <laughs> but then for them to uh, identify that with uh, hundreds of people who love the Lord and love them, uh, it's... Uh, it really does pump them up to get to hear your story, too. So uh, we're grateful for what you all mean to us.
0: Yeah, well, glory to God. The church, we are grateful for you, and uh, we look forward to worshiping uh, together this Sunday. Uh, we, uh, we become expectant. Uh, we know that we've been given a great hope in Christ, and so we'll come ready to to confess, ready to sing, ready to send under the Word together, um, and to be restored. And uh, so church, we love you and we're praying for you and we'll see you Sunday.